0: Talking about lemonade. Ever wanted some lemonade? How many of you know what you have to have to get lemonade? Got to have a little lemon, don't you? Got to have a few obstacles, don't you? We've been talking about turning obstacles into opportunities. What I've found out is that most people don't want obstacles, but it's out of obstacles that true opportunities come into your life. We've been looking over the past several weeks at different people who have taken things that seem insurmountable and turned them around and saw God move them into their destiny. So we're going to continue that today. So would you take your Bibles and go to the Old Testament book of 1 Samuel, the 17th chapter, and we're going to be talking today about what it takes to kill a giant. What it takes to kill a giant. As you're doing that, let me say hello to the campuses. My name is Eddie Couples and I'm the lead pastor for Love and Truth Ministries. Every week I hear from campus pastors about what's happening throughout Love and Truth Church and I am excited about every report that I hear each week. So, I thank you that what you're doing at every campus. I thank you for the job that's taking place there and we join with you this morning to go into the word of God. The book of 1 Samuel the 17th chapter is just a wonderful wonderful story about David as he goes out and fights a giant named Goliath. And so we're going to pick it up in the 20th verse today. It says, Early in the morning David left the flock in the care of a shepherd, loaded up, set out, as Jesse had directed. He reached the camp as the army was going out to its battle position, shouting the war cry. Israel and the Philistines were drawing up their lines, facing each other. David left his things with the keeper of supplies, ran to the battle lines, and asked his brothers how they were. Verse 23, as he was talking with them, Goliath the Philistine champion from Gath stepped out from his lines and shouted his usual defiance. I want you to see that, his usual defiance. And David heard it. Whenever the Israelites saw the man, they all fled from him in great fear. Now, this passage is kind of interesting. I don't know how many of you have favorite characters in Scripture, but David is probably one of my top two, Jesus being number one, and David, I think, is number two. And I like David's passion. I like David's zeal. The the ability that David has to kind of go to the root of the problem and to deal with it uh, is quite interesting throughout his life. But what we see here is David is a young shepherd boy. He's, He's in his teens at this point. And uh, his dad, Jesse, says, hey, I want you to go check on your brothers. They're in, they're in battle. They're fighting a, a war. And I want you to go see how things are going and take them some food. And so the Bible says that David got up early that next morning, and, and he began to do that. But, but what's interesting about this is that David had heard his entire life how great the army of God was. He had been taught for years that, that Israel was God's chosen people, that they were the ones uh, who were going to do mighty exploits and wonderful things. And yet, when he gets there, when he gets to the battle, the Bible says uh, that he goes down and he's waiting. Now, remember, they're not fighting the way we do. They didn't have drones, all right? They couldn't sit in Phoenix and bomb somebody in Baghdad. Uh, they had to face them. They, they had to get close up and personal with a sword or a spear. That's the only way they were going to kill anybody. And, and so uh, the, the Bible says that they would line up every day and they'd been doing this for weeks and even months at this point. They would line up every day, and, and they, would, they would all go out shouting. They were, oh, we're, you know, we're great men of battle, and they're, they're crying this. They get in their, in their lines, in their stance, and then all of a sudden, one guy would show up. His name is Goliath, and they, the Bible says he's, he's called Goliath of Gath uh, because that's where he was from. Now, Goliath is uh, a rather large man. Uh, he would have been a great asset to any NFL team, all right? He's over nine feet tall. Uh, he weighs uh, in excess of 500 pounds. He wears armor uh, that is in excess of hundreds of pounds. Uh, he, he is so strong and, and such a, a powerful man uh, that, that his, just by himself, he would stand up and he would begin to cry. And when he did, just his voice would freak everybody out. And they'd run away. And this went on day after day after day after day until one guy showed up. Not a a mighty man of war. Not a seasoned veteran. Not not somebody who had been trained in how to be a great warrior. A young teenage shepherd boy shows up and he says, what's going on? What is this all about? See, I, I think this morning that some of you who may be the least likely to really make a difference in life are the ones that God is saying, you're my choice. You are the one. The Bible says that God doesn't take the high and the mighty, but He chooses the lowly. He chooses the base things so that He can exalt them and so that He can get the glory. So you say, well, Pastor, you know, I I really don't want a giant in my life. I really don't want, uh, you know, to have to go through this. I want to give you some reasons why you need a giant in your life, okay? Let's talk about it. Would you look, uh, just, just keep your Bibles open this morning or whatever you've got the Word of God downloaded on. Look in the 25th verse. It says, now the Israelites had been saying, do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel. Now listen to what they say next. The king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. He will also give him his daughter in marriage. And and look at this last part. And will exempt his family from taxes in Israel. You say, well, pastor, why do I need a giant in my life? Number one is it provides incentives to your life. Think think about this. David is standing there and they're talking. These guys are talking around him. And they said, you know what? The guy that kills... Goliath he's going to get great riches now I don't know about you that get my attention now I know I I can tell you're, you're much more holy than this but if you tell me if I can take somebody out you're gonna make me wealthy that gets my attention and the rest of you are just weird all right and then it says you get to marry the king's daughter well I mean, you're already going to be wealthy, and now you get to be part of the king's family. And then it says, and this is the best one of the whole group, it says that you and your family are going to be exempt forever from taxes. Now, I want to tell you, somebody told me that. I'm getting some stones and a shotgun and whatever else I can find. Say, come on, baby, let's go. See, what our, our difficulty at times is, is that we don't realize that a, a, an obstacle, a problem that comes in our life, really gives us an incentive, because if we take care of the problem, we're going to reap the reward. See, there's always a reward for handling an obstacle. Anytime that you are able... To come against something that's coming against you and you can defeat it, there's always a reward for that. In this setting, uh, it's finances, it's uh, getting to marry the king's daughter, and it's getting to be exempt from taxes. But in our lives, as individuals, there, there are all kinds of things that come our way if we will really understand. So you know what? I'm, I'm not against having some obstacles. I, I'm not too upset when giants show up. See, I I, I know what people are thinking. People say, man, they're so big. They're so, whoa, whoa, I can't face them. How big they are. How great they are. Oh, man, this is horrible. You know what David's thinking? He's saying, how big he is. I can't miss. See, David's not thinking, oh, he's so big he's going to take me out. David's thinking, man, he's so big I can't miss him. See, some of you need to change your perspective. You need to quit talking about how big your problems are, how great. You, do, do you realize I'm calling Goliath a giant? Do you realize that in this whole encounter that David never one time calls him a giant? The best thing David says about him is he's an uncircumcised Philistine, and he was not blessing him when he said that. All right? I mean, mean, David, David just is, is kind of... So David, David's attention is kind of grabbed. Let's, let's move on. Would you look in verse 26? Verse 26, just moving on to the story, it said, David asked the man, he, he said, say what? Well, I know that King James or whatever you're reading doesn't say that, but that's what he said. He, he heard them saying all this about what you're going to get, and he goes, say what? Say it again. Tell me that again. What will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace, listen at him, from Israel? And then he goes, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? God see the second thing is this the second reason you need a giant in your life is that giants produce anger now, now I want to tell you something we, we, we've been sold to build a bill of good in the church we've been told that if you get saved then what you need to be is man be pamby be and be real nice and, and just kind of just go with the flow and just you know don't, don't rile up anybody don't no, wait a minute. Somebody needs to get mad. The pastor, of the Bible says that, that anger is a sin. No, it doesn't. Read the Bible. Quit, quit quoting things out of context. Here's what the Bible says. The Bible says, be angry and sin not. Jesus got angry. Twice in Jesus' ministry, at the very beginning of his ministry and at the end of his ministry, Jesus gets so angry, he plats a whip, he goes into the temple, he starts kicking stuff over and beating people. Can you imagine me coming down the middle aisle today with an Indiana Jones hat on? <laughs> Cracking a wheel. Come out! People would be scared. I mean, they'd be going out every exit in this building, wouldn't they? Even people watching would be leaving. <laughs> like, man, I'm out of here, Jack. I can't. But, but the, the whole aspect is, is that, that until you get angry, you won't change it. Well, I don't like this. Well, I, you know, this isn't. No, 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 wait a minute. Until some anger enters in. Until you say, wait a minute, I'm I'm not going to put up with this anymore. This is not right. This should not be going. Listen, somebody needs to get angry about what's happening in America. So somebody, no, I'm going to say it, somebody needs to get angry about the godlessness in our society. Somebody needs to get angry that we are exalting unrighteousness and putting down righteousness. Somebody needs to get angry that we've got the nation that is so wealthy and so much that we have, and we still have people who go to bed hungry at night and still live in poverty. We need to get angry about some things. Somebody needs to get angry that we're still killing babies in their mother's womb year in and year out and we haven't stopped it. Somebody needs to say, say what? What did you just say? And get angry about it because it is in the moment that anger comes in that you are now galvanized to do something. It's in that moment. See, as you, as you begin to read about David, what you find about David's life is that David faces a series of giants in his life. He faces a series of natural giants in battle if you, if you follow his life. But he also faces inward inward giants. Um, He he has those, what what we would refer to as extrinsic things, those things that are outside his life that are coming against him that are giants. The situations, how many of you understand that in your life that there are times that there are things outside of you that come against you to destroy you, to beat you down. Uh, Maybe it's a job situation or somebody you're in a relationship with or whatever and and it's just out there and they're always working against you. But there's also those intrinsic giants. David had several of them. If you study David's life, you'll find out David struggled with pride. David struggled with sexual sin. David, David ha, has all of these things that are going on inside of him that he has got to be able to confront. I, I want to tell you something today. Whether you are facing maybe some giants outside of your life, or maybe maybe you're facing some sin in your own life. Maybe, maybe you're facing uh, maybe a, a sin of, a, of an addiction, or a sin of adultery, or the sin of homosexuality, or the, or the sin uh, of cheating, or lying. whatever it is that you're facing in your life today, when you come to the point of saying wait a minute this is not the best that God has for me this is not how God wants me to be God has allowed some things to come into my life but you know what I refuse to allow what has come against me to destroy me I am going to take my right and I'm going to get down right mad I'm not going to settle for this anymore. A few years ago, some of you know this story. A few years ago, a young girl was tragically killed in a car accident. And her mother, out of devastation and out of anguish for a few months, that, that, that devastation turned to anger. And she said, it's not right that people are driving drunk in America. And she said, it's time that we change the laws across the nation. And she founded an organization called Mothers Against Drunk Drivers or MAD. I want to tell you, some people need in the kingdom of God to get mad, to get angry. I think one of the reasons that Jesus loved Peter was that he just didn't have good sense sometimes. He's grabbing swords, he's cutting off people's ears, he's cussing people out, but at least he's doing something. Now, I'm not recommending that. <laughs> Don't misquote me, all right? But, but, but at least there's something, there, there's some passion, there's some zeal. down inside. So, so uh, a giant will produce anger. Would, would you look in, in the next verse there, verse 28, just jump down to verse 28. It says, When Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, Eliab burned with anger at David and asked, Why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. And if I had been David, I would have said, Duh, there's not one. (laughs) Right? Yeah, that's what I came to. I've been told all my life, You're a great man of battle. And here you are like a little baby in the tent sucking your thumb. Somebody's got to say it. I just say stuff you think, right? And, and so there, there's this whole, the, the third reason that you need a giant, let me give it to you, is that it provokes others. You say, huh? Yeah, it provokes others. Well, watch this. For weeks, and if you study that, probably for well over a month, everybody's been going out every day, and then Goliath stands up and goes, fee-fi-fo-fum. Okay, that's a wrong story just saying if you're still on on the page with me all right he he just says in that moment send somebody out here to fight me and if he wins you you're the winner and if I win we're the winner and nobody else has to fight and everybody runs away they've been doing this week after week after week until David shows up and when David shows up his brother gets ticked but remember you have to get angry before you change the situation See, something needs to happen in some of us today that we become angry because our anger is going to provoke somebody else who is around us. And not only, now watch this, not only am I going to kill a giant, but guess what? Eliab's going to be blessed too. Remember? If you kill the giant, your family Doesn't have to pay taxes. Eliab is getting ready to reap the benefit of his younger brother's anger. And he is going to be able to never pay taxes again because his brother is going to kill Goliath. I want to tell you, some of you need to understand that you're not just fighting for yourself. No, you didn't hear me. That, that thing that is up you're up against, that giant that's in your life, whether it's outside or inside your life, that thing that, that has control of you, that thing which is trying to destroy you, you're not just fighting it for yourself. you got brothers and sisters and children and all kind of people around you that if you will only do what God has called you to do, you will see not only your life being transformed, but you will see the life of all of those around you being trans. So I'm looking at verse 31. We're going to skip some of this story today. Verse 31, it says, What David said was overheard and reported to Saul, and Saul sent for him. Now get this, why you need a giant in your life is, number four, is that it propels you. It's like the afterburners kick in. David's over here, Saul's up in the tent. Now, you've got to understand, Saul's the king and Saul's the commander-in-chief. So he's way up in a tent, way high, and he's, he's, he's nowhere close to the battle. And, and yet, all of a sudden, word gets back to Saul. And in a moment, David goes from being the lowly shepherd boy down here to being sent for by the king. Now I'll, I'll go real slow here because some of you need to hear this. Some of you look at people who pass you by and you get angry because they passed you by. What you need to understand that it just takes a moment for you to get promoted from being the shepherd boy to being the man who now moves into the palace. In a moment, if you will just allow God to show up in your life, and instead of saying, well, I guess it's just always gonna be this way, I'm gonna have to work at this company for 30 years, and I hopefully, you know, I'll retire one day with good benefits and, and die and go home and be with Jesus. I mean, what a life, right? Boy, I can't wait till I get to the rocking chair and just rock. I mean, I've heard of rock and roll, but I ain't interested in that. I'm sorry, pardon my grammar, all right? I, I mean, really, that's, that's what life is about? Or could it happen? That if you're willing to face the giant, that in a moment, you can bypass the process and find yourself elevated to a place that is unbelievable what God can do. It's like the afterburners kick in. It's it's like in that moment, you, you go to another place when you are willing to go into battle. Number five is this, look in chapter 18. Would you just jump now? We're, we, we've gone through the battle because I don't have time to go into the whole battle. Uh, but verse uh, chapter 18, verse 7 is after David's kill Goliath. It says, now the women are singing. And it says, as they dance, they sing. Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. And then it goes on. Look in verse 16, that 18th chapter. And it says, but all Israel and Judah loved David because he led them in their campaigns. All right? The fifth thing that it does is that it promotes you. A giant will promote you. If you take it out, it will promote you. It will take you place. Now, now let's, let's do a little math here. Everybody ready? The women are singing, Saul has killed his thousands, and David has killed how many? His tens of thousands. All right? Now, let's, let's, do, let's do real math, all right? This is old school math. This isn't new math. I don't understand new math. This is one plus one and two plus two, all right? Let's read the story. How many people has David killed? Uno. One. That's about all the Spanish I know. Dos tres cuatro. You go that far, all right? One. He's killed one but in the moment of what he has done, he gets so promoted that the women now begin to sing about Saul, who has been a mighty man of war for years, and the king of Israel, they are saying, well, Saul has killed some thousands, but David. You ever heard about momentum? Do you understand momentum? When you have momentum on your side, you, you are better than you really are. If you've ever seen a professional team play, there there were moments when Michael Jordan was playing at such a level back in the day that it was unbelievable how Chicago would win. They were not as good as it looked like, but momentum was on their side. And they would walk all over, and, and he would make shots, and you just go, no human being can make that shot. And he would do it. Why? Because, moment, David is the same way. And the Bible says that David goes from being the lonely shepherd. Get this, because some of you are going to miss it if you're not careful. He said that David went from being the lowly shepherd to in one fell swoop. Now he is the commander of the children of Israel because the Bible says he was leading them in their campaigns. You know, I just want to have peace, Pastor. I just want everything to be nice. I just want everybody to love me. I just want everybody to say good things about me. There's a a scripture that I've never really sweated. Here's what it says. It says, beware when all men speak well of you. Never sweated that one. Never went home and said, Sherry, we really got to pray because everybody's talking good about me. (laughs) Never had that one. All right? What what we've got to understand is is that we are called to do something great. I believe with all of my heart that the Scripture says that you were created in the image and in the likeness of God Almighty. And if you are created in the image and in the likeness of God, don't you understand that God, as, who was it, Ethel Waters used to say, God don't make no junk. That God has put destiny down inside of you to do such powerful things. And yet, if we're not careful, every time the giant stands up, we do what the children of Israel do and we run off. Instead of saying, wait a minute, I don't need to run off, I need to run toward it because that thing which has been sent as an assignment of darkness to destroy me is the very thing that's going to promote me. Let me, let me close with this. Let me, let me real quickly tell you what it takes to kill a giant. Now, understand, when we're talking about killing a giant, we're not talking the natural, so nobody misconstrue pastors. All right? Don't, don't go looking for anybody. All right? We're talking spiritually, emotionally, though, but we're not talking naturally. All right? verse 20 we read to you earlier says early in the morning David left the flock in the care of the shepherd and goes through that whole thing but he loaded up he set out he went on his way Uh, the the number one thing is is that you've got to have willingness you've got to be willing to do something now now listen to me I I, I want to get in your business for a minute alright you you are not owed anything by anybody no I didn't get enough amens let me say it again The government doesn't owe you. Your next door neighbor doesn't owe you. The boss man does not owe you. Society doesn't owe you. The only thing that you are owed in America is life and liberty and the pursuit of happiness. That's what you're owed. I knew you'd like it. I'm tired of the entitlement mentality that's ruining our nation. That says, well, you just ought to send me a check for me doing nothing. No, no, no. You've got to be willing. The Bible says if you are willing and obedient, then you will eat the good of the land. The reason David gets promoted is not just because he showed up. Boy, y'all are loving this. First crowd liked it better. David is going to be promoted because David has a willing heart. Dad says, go, he's up, he's out, crack a dawn, he's going. He's not waiting for everybody else to get there and then he shows up. He is on his way. That, he has a willing heart. Look at verse 22. David left his things with a keeper of supplies, and look at that next word, ran to the battle lines and asked his brothers how they were. There's got to be eagerness. If you want to kill some giants, you've got to be eager to do it. The the people that are going to make it, the people that are going to make a difference in the world, the people that are genuinely going to change lives to change our world are not people who are sitting back waiting for somebody to come along and say, Come on, baby. You can do it. You little darling, you. You're so cute. Come on now. Let me help you. That's the best thing came to my mind. You gotta be eager. I mean, the, the people that get my attention are the eager people. It's the people who say, what what can I do next? What what is it that, listen, if, if you want to go far, if you want to be promoted, if you want to see great things, don't always be the last one dragging in and punching in as the clock clicks up at the last moment. Be the one who's eager. Be the one who gets out there. Be the one who goes after it because that is the person who a boss looks at and says, I can promote that person. That's the kind of person I want. That's the kind of staff. Listen, you come on staff with me, and you phone it in, and you play a game. I'll love you for a while, but after a while, my love runs out. I start singing what's love got to do with it real quick. <laughs> You've got to be eager. You've got to go for it, all right? Let me right? Let me, I've got to hurry. Verse 36. Now he starts telling. He, he finally gets to Saul. And again, if you know the story, you'll understand. As he gets to Saul, and Saul says, well, what kind of skills do you have? And David says, well, you've got to understand. Your servant has killed both a lion and a bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine, there he goes talking bad about him again, will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The third thing you've got to have is you've got to have some experience. You've got to kill a lion before you kill a giant. No, you didn't hear me. I read a book recently Pastor Stephen gave to me. He said, Pastor, you really need to read this. You're dealing with a lot of millennials, and you, you don't handle them well. I, think that's, I don't think he said it that way. I think that was his underlying, and he was right. And so I read the book, and I, I went back in his office after I read the book that day, and I said, I'm madder now than I was when he gave me the book. He said, no, Pastor, we said we talked. I no, really wasn't. But, but there, was, there was a line in, the, in the, for the, and millennials are those of you born around 1980 onward, all right? So you're the ones I'm talking to. Uh, the, the book, and it just caught my attention. It said, you guys are the first generation that got a trophy just for showing up. Think about it. I mean, your kid played t-ball, everybody gets a trophy. We don't want to keep score. We'll hurt little Bubba's feelings. Let, let me help you real quick. Number one is every dad there is keeping score. And we get in the car and go, son, you won today. Dude. All right, you won. Let me tell you something else. Every kid on that field's keeping score. We, we are, what in the world are we doing? Some of you thought I was going to say something else, didn't you? What are we doing? You, you never know in this church, though, so do you? See, next week I'm preaching about profanity. But anyway... <laughs> We are destroying our children because we're saying, we, we don't want to hurt you. We don't want. No, no, wait a minute. You, you've got to understand that what, what has to happen there is that in the process of life, not only do people have to be eager, but you've got to understand that, that you've got to have some experience. You've got to do some things. You've got to start off with a bear and a lion. And then you move to a giant. In your life, if you want to be successful, if you want to move forward, it doesn't matter what area of life it is, if you want to get there, you've got to be willing to do the little things. you got to be willing to do the small things. you got to be willing to do those things that nobody else wants to do. you got to be willing to pick up the piece of paper before you stand on the stage. You've got to be willing to clean a few toilets before you sing on the stage. Huh. Well, you, if you knew my gifting, I'm trying to close. Some of you are praying I'll close. Let me give you the last one. Look in verse 45. David said, you come against me with a javelin and a spear and a sword. He said, you come against me with all of these weapons. But he said, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel whom you have defied. Fourth thing is this. You always have to understand, if you're going to kill giants, you're always dependent on God. He said, it's not me. He said, oh, yeah, I've got experience. I've, I've gained my skills. I've done all those. But he said, you've come against God, and I'm coming against you in the name of God. See, when it all boils down, ladies and gentlemen, when your life is at that crux of where you're facing that thing which is trying to destroy you, you've done everything you know to do, but in that moment, you have to be dependent on God Almighty who shows up and gives you the strength because the Bible says, in our weakness, He becomes strong. Let me close with this. You ready? God does not get in your intentions. Well, I, I'm, I'm thinking about it. I'm going, some, sometimes we'll sit around in staff meetings and we'll talk about great things, whatever. God does not get into your intentions. God, he waits for your action. He waits. As long as David's just talking, God doesn't show up. But when David starts moving, God shows up. See, there's a point of life that you need to understand that you've got to do what God's called you to do. And you've got to quit talking about it and just start doing it. It's the Nike thing. Just do it. Right? Let me say this to you. Never run at a giant with your mouth closed. Did you hear me? David doesn't have his mouth closed. David is is going in the authority of God Almighty, and he is using the Word of God to come against that giant. Whatever you're facing, here's what the Bible says. The Bible says that we overcome the enemy by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. You never run at a giant with your mouth closed. You never face a situation without speaking what God says about your life. God is for me. Who can be against me? If God is on my side, it's going to be all right. Greater is he that's in me than he that is in the world. He who has begun a good work in me, he will complete that. I am more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ who loved me and gave himself for me. You start saying those kind of things as you run at your giant. Your giant's not going to know what hits him. The Bible says David let go of the rock, hit the giant right in the head. He goes down, evidently stunned, maybe unconscious. And in that moment, David grabs a sword, the sword of the giant. And I don't have time to preach that sermon. And cuts off the head of the giant with his own sword. That which the enemy came to destroy you with, you can destroy the enemy with. That's what God's word is for you today. Don't be afraid of the giant. God has already given you the victory. Amen?